it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant, Holy Land's recruiting-centric podcast, The Dotted Line. My name is Matt Tiamanini. On this podcast, we talk to Ohio State and national recruiting experts, LGHL's own recruiting analysts, and even recruits themselves. On today's episode, I am joined by Land Grant, Holy Land recruiting columnist and our resident football coach, Caleb Hauser. Caleb, it is early December, yet you are still neck deep in coaching football. Where, what are you working on and who are you working with right now? Yeah, so regular season ended up um, ending for us in early November. Uh, we went 9-0 and regular season and then uh, had a tough draw in the playoffs and did not make it out of the first round, which we were bummed about. But now I am just, like you said, neck deep in travel football. So I run a 7-on-7 team. We'll have two teams this winter and had over uh, 50 kids, about 60 kids, try out for us this past uh, Saturday uh, during the Big Ten Championships. So that was nice. Didn't have to worry Good about looking at the score for them that was almost like planned perfectly um but yeah just uh really good so i am still rolling in it and you know everything i can consume myself football wise still going which is good yeah absolutely well we've got a lot to talk about here and the first thing that i wanted to talk about isn't necessarily recruiting although i, I want to talk about the recruiting aspect of like the the ripples that it creates and that is the biggest news for ohio state i think in the past week you know post losing the game um was the fact that the number one rated quarterback in the history of 24-7 sports composite uh, recruiting rankings, Quinn Ewers, has announced that he is entering the transfer portal, and it looks like he is heading back home to somewhere in um, uh, in Texas, whether that is the University of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech. Um, 
I don't know that any of those are great options for him in terms of football-wise, but I think he'll get on the field a lot sooner there than he would at Ohio State, and he's closer to home, so I can't necessarily fault him for any of those things, but it certainly has an impact not only on Ohio State's team for next year, where I think it would be you know fairly minimal, to be honest, but certainly has an impact on the future of Ohio State's quarterback room and what that offense looks like and what the recruiting plans will look like in the years to come. Yeah, I guess for me, I have to say I'm sorry and apologize right away because even on this podcast before I mentioned, I really don't think Ohio State needed to get another quarterback in the 2022 yeah. class. Um, and boy, was I ever wrong. And I think just the way with life in the big city at these major programs, um, and especially with these NIL deals, which is all new to us, I don't think anyone can really say for sure anymore what is going to happen or you know predict the future, if you will. So, I mean, we all kind of know what went down. Um, and we've heard various conflicting reports of, you know, Quinn Ewers was, you know, asking Ryan Day, you know, am I promised to, you know, be the second string? Am I promised to start? Whatever it may be. I, I don't think that's really important. Uh, you know, what is important is the fallout, like you said, and what can happen. But now you see Jack Miller's gone. Now you see Quinn Ewers is gone. So Ohio State right now has CJ Stroud, which is the clear cut, obvious starter for next year, you know, being a Heisman finalist, which was announced today. You've got Kyle McCord that probably is, you know, happier than anyone in Columbus yeah. right now that he's got, you know, a little bit easier road to hoe. Uh, you know, with only one guy in front of them, but having Devin Brown commit is huge. And that was, you know, whether Ryan Day knew this was coming with Quinn Ewers or not, getting Devin Brown in the fold was was a major get. And, you know, hats off to him and Corey Dennis for, you know, landing another, uh, you know, almost five-star prospect at the quarterback position. And I've watched Devin Brown's film several times and that kid, he can spin it. He's special. And I, that's that's just a huge get. Yeah, he is the number 52 player in the class of 2022, the number five quarterback overall, the number one player in Utah. And something that I learned listening to four to six with A and B, the Athletics Ohio State podcast with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman is, is that he's only actually been in Utah for one year. He played his senior season in Utah, was in Arizona the rest of his high school career where his high school coach was. Joe Germain. Right. So he has this connection with Ohio State um, and ran a fairly you know traditional um, NFL offense with Joe Germain. It was a little bit more wide open um, with, when he was in Utah. Um, but he's a, he's a big kid. He's six three. Um, a little bit more of you know the the tall prototypical quarterback, but he is an athlete. He talks about liking to run, um, which is something that I think Ohio State fans are glad to hear after all of the complaining they did about CJ Stroud not wanting to scramble this year. Um, but when he, when I heard he was, you know, getting ready to commit and we kind of thought it might actually end up being Ohio state. I was like, he's not coming to Columbus. If he doesn't know something's going to happen and whether that was Quinn Ewers leaving or not, he said that he didn't know what Quinn was doing and he was coming to, to, you know, bet on himself and all that stuff. But he had to have a pretty good feeling that either Quinn or Kyle was leaving. Like you don't come to be the fourth guy in a room that includes a Heisman finalist and two five stars in front of you. Like you have to have a pretty good feeling that somebody's on their way out. And even if that was just like, okay, we'll go through spring and one of them's got to leave. But he had to feel pretty good that he was going to have a shot to be, you know, the number three and, and, you know, at least somebody involved in practices um, when he got to campus, at, at least in his first year. Right. I mean, I guess from my vantage point, I would think that Devin Brown, you know, being how talented he is, that that it's huge. I mean, getting him in the fold. But yeah, like you said, you almost would have to think he knew something. And 
yeah, sure. You can bet on yourself all you want, but I mean, man, that is a heck of a bet. You know, if you're coming in with, you know, five guys, including yourself that are all there that are all, you know, four star or higher. And like you said, having a Heisman finalist. So, um, I, you kind of think that he knew something was coming. Uh, I mean, Jack Miller entering the transfer portal, you know, before Quinn Ewers announced to do the same dominoes start to fall. And now he's, you know, third in the pecking order right away. So it's just amazing to see, you know, what a couple of weeks really can do uh, to yeah. a position group. I mean, Ohio state had literally four guys in there, you know, three weeks ago. And now you've got three guys in there Devin Brown, who and one of them's new. Yeah, exactly. Devin Brown, who is the newest option. I mean, just committed. I mean, on the 1st of December, I mean, five days ago, this kid is five days. He's been in the class and now he's already literally, you know, the third string quarterback. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of wild when you think about, you know, what, what's gone down in just the last 10 days, if you will. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's college football nowadays. It's just, it's never, it's never been crazier. And, and really, I mean, as awesome it is for, you know, these high school kids and college kids to you know be able to kind of call their shots because I mean, if a college coach can do that, you know, the kids should yeah. be able to do at least some of it. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but yeah, I don't think it'll ever be crazier than this, but um, definitely something that is taking a, a little bit of a toll on Ohio State's quarterback group, but I mean, if there's anyone that can, you know, write the ship or anything, it's definitely got to be Ryan Day. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he keeps pulling in highly rated guys every Incredible. single class is really, really nuts. I mean, it really goes for all of the the flack he's taken since the loss to to the rival. Like, you have to feel pretty good about his fact, to, uh, his ability to get a quarterback in there. But spinning this forward, so let's just say um, C.J. Stroud is obviously, like you said, the the presumptive starter next season, um, unless there's some sort of injury or unforeseen discipline thing. I'd imagine, unless he has a horrible year, that he's gone after next year and goes in the NFL. Then you would naturally think that Kyle McCord is the quarterback in 2023. Um, Hopefully he has a good enough year to be able to leave as well. So he's a quarterback in his third season. He leaves, and then you get um, uh, Devin Brown as the quarterback in his third season. From there, where does Ohio State go with quarterback? They've got offers out to a number of guys in the 2023 class, but Jaden Davis is a guy in the 2024 class that we've talked about on this show before being somebody who's been to Ohio State like six times already. Um, There's a ton of names in this 2023 class that Ohio State has either offered or has some interest in. None of them stick out as like, you know, super connected to Ohio State like like Jaden Davis is, and he's obviously – hitting everybody um but do you think ohio state maybe skips a year in terms of like going with a big time quarterback recruit and waits for Jaden davis or somebody else in 2024 do you think they keep this thing going where ryan davis tries to find whatever possible big name qb he can in every single class sure yeah i mean i'm almost hesitant to even give an answer because you know, <laughs> I said in I said the 2022 class well if you know worst comes worse you can always take a portal guy but you know now that you've got Devin Brown in, in the fold I mean I saw a stat today that you know Dwayne Haskins Justin Fields now mm-hmm. CJ Stroud I mean the last three quarterbacks that Ryan Day's worked with have all been in New York I mean it, it's truly a testament to how good you know the offensive system is yes but how much he can develop the position you know overall I mean it's special so I don't see the recruiting dipping anywhere because I mean again you had Quinn Ewers in the fold you just took the number one quarterback 
in Quinn Ewers to your class. And yes, he's already gone, but you just replaced him with Devin Brown, who's got, you know, tons of upside and, you know, has a cannon of an arm as well, too. I mean, just put on the film and you see this kid is legit. Plus people at the Elite 11 raved about him. So there's so many things that say Ryan Day can do whatever he wants, you know, when it comes to quarterback recruiting that you don't really have to worry about it. In the 2023 class, like you're saying, there are several guys in the class that they've already offered, Nicholas, I am Ileva, and I'll probably butcher his name, but I just I, I cannot say it for the life of me. Um, but Jackson Arnold's another one they've offered. Dante Moore here in Detroit, Michigan, who I who I've seen play, you know, several times in person. That kid is the real deal. There's Dylan Long Lonergan out of Texas, who they've also or Georgia, who they've also um, offered as well. So several different guys they can, you know, kind of key in on, but if there's not one guy that kind of, you know, rises to the top and that's one of the ones that they lead for, then maybe this is the year, you know, knowing that you've got Devin Brown in the fold. I mean, I don't think again, kind of have to, you know, knock on wood here, but I wouldn't think that Kyle McCord would jump ship or Devin Brown would jump ship being that Devin Brown's not on campus yet. Clearly Kyle McCord has been there now for two years after this year, he will be the clear cut backup. If CJ Stroud, like we think, will have a great year next year. Um, if he goes, Kyle McCord can be that quarterback in the 2023 class, like you asked, or like you said. So then you've got Devin Brown just waiting in the wings. You might be able to take a year off. So if they don't get someone in the 2023 class, I won't be shocked by it. But then again, we've seen Ryan Day in each class say that, you know, he wants to go and get a guy. So um, whoever it, whoever it's going to be, whether it's, a, you know, a prospect in high school right now or if it's a transfer portal guy down the road, that's I guess that's up in the air. But I still think that with how well they are in on Jaden Davis this early on, that they've just really kind of not hedged their bet, if you will, but they've kind of put their chips all in for Jaden Davis in the 2024 class. And it seems to be paying off at least, you know, yeah. pretty well right now. Yeah. Well, one guy who we're not as sure where they stand with is uh, Xavier Wanpa, who is going to be making his uh, commitment decision and announcement on Wednesday, uh, December 8th. It looks like there's about four schools that it's going to come down to um, for the safety out of Iowa, either his home state of Iowa, Notre Dame uh, or Ohio State. So sorry, th sorry, three. Um, and he is a guy that Ohio State really would like to have in this class because they need him on uh, on the field quickly. He is the number 42 player in the country, the number five safety in the country out of Altoona, Iowa. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of what we've heard has been that he's been trending towards Iowa. However, Ryan Day and uh, some other coaches were had an in-home visit here recently. Um, Tom Loy from uh, irishillustrated.com, who's the Notre Dame in insider, he recently put in a, a crystal ball for uh, Xavier to go to Iowa. That was on November 24th. But the other crystal balls are all kind of, they're, they're mixed. Steve Wiltfong, who's the director of football recruiting um, for 24-7, he still has his crystal ball as Ohio State. Now, that was from August, but he would change it if if he felt the need to. It's a low... Um, it's a low confidence, but it's still in there. Then Steve Lawrence from the Michigan Insider, he has Ohio State in there too from late October. So it it seems to still be up in the air. All of the smoke seems to be leading for Xavier to stick in Iowa, but I mean he can get on the field pretty quickly in Columbus and has a chance to compete for a national championship, and that's uh, that's a, always a pretty good draw, even if you are fighting the team that's in the home uh, the home state. 
Absolutely. And I think the big thing too is, is the relationships that he has with the guys in the class. CJ Hicks, who Captain Buckeye himself is just a wonderful peer recruiter. Um, they've made mo- no mistake about it that Xavier and CJ Hicks get along really well. Uh, Kion Gray is out of Arizona, the receiver commit. He gets along with Xavier really well um, from the seven on seven circuit. You know, they bump into each other several times, you know, playing as opponents. Um, so they have great relationships with Xavier. And, and sometimes those went out in the end. I, mean, I think the biggest thing for Xavier and, and these commits nowadays is relationships. And I think that'll help. I mean, I, I really don't know who's going to win out. I don't think Notre Dame is going to get this commitment. I really don't. Okay. I, I know Marcus Freeman, you know, is taking the head job there and we'll probably get into that a little bit down the road, but I, I just, I think it's an Ohio state, Iowa battle. Um, and you have to look at what Iowa did this year. Yes. They just got smacked on Saturday, which I was definitely upset about. Um, but at the same time, they did at the beginning of the season really show out. And I mean, Xavier was taking visits there almost every weekend. So, um, you know, if Ohio State's going to win this one, it's going to have to be because of those late in-home visits and the relationships that they have with him as a coaching staff. And then, you know, the peer relationships he has with the guys that are already in the class. So I, it, it might win out for him in the end. And I, I, I think we all hope and really hope that it does because Ohio state needs that elite safety in the back end that they've not had since Jordan Fuller. And, you know, whether they're not, you know, Jordan Han- Jordan Hancock and these corners, you know, play really well next year down the road and getting Josh Proctor back that's secondary that of these guys, you just, you need guys like Xavier to, you know, jump in the fold and be part of the classes uh, because we, we've seen it. The defense has not been up to snuff the last couple of years and, it's because they don't always have that, you know, key eraser in the back end. So getting Xavier in the class is huge and hopefully, hopefully they're able to, we'll find out in about 48 hours. Yeah. And he's not the only safety that Ohio state is, is hoping to hear good things from the other one, of course, is Zion branch from Bishop Gorman high school in Las Vegas. He's another four star number 43 in the country, the number six safety. At one point, it looked like Ohio state could get both Zion branch and Xavier Wanpa It now looks like, at least with Zion Branch, there is nearly no shot that Ohio State would get him. They were the crystal ball favorites until December 1st, when Lincoln Riley became the head coach at USC. He had always had a connection uh, to USC, Zion did, because it is a fairly close drive from Las Vegas uh, to Southern California. But with that change in head coach, it looks like Zion is as close to being a Trojan as you can possibly get without making it official. Yeah, it's it's kind of the what we talked about earlier with how fast the how fast the wind changed with the quarterback situation. Um, once again, Zion Branch was the guy that was basically penciled into the class. I mean, you saw crystal ball picks from mm-hmm. you know Steve Wiltfong, Bill Kerlick. They were all submitting them for for Zion Branch down the stretch, and you're thinking, man, that early signing period is you know two weeks away. This is looking great, and then boom, like you said, Lincoln Riley takes a job, and and now kind of everybody's switched everything up and it looks like, like you said, USC is going to be the, is going to be the winner in the end. So, you know, maybe Ohio state can, you know, slave off the, uh, if you will, the Trojans one time and, you know, make a, make a late pitch and maybe they can get back into the thick of things, but I don't think so either. It's (laughs) looking like it's pretty much all but done. And, you know, losing Zion to USC would, you know, would be a blow, but if they can get Xavier, it certainly would be, you know, kind of a devil devil's advocate here, but if they could get one of the two, you'd still feel really good. And if it's over two, man, it's just one of those things where, again, you're, you're maybe hoping that Sonny Styles does reclassify and play safety, um, you know, for Ohio state coming up. Cause I know there's uh, some scuttlebutt about that going around too, that he could possibly reclassify for the 2022 class. Yeah. So let's talk about that real quick. I was going to mention that at the end, but, um, 
the the number one player on pretty much everybody's board for Ohio State fans was Sonny Styles. He is a local kid, Pickerington Central, my alma mater. Um, his dad, uh, Lorenzo Styles, played at Ohio State, but his brother. Um, Lorenzo Jr. Uh, did not really get recruited by Ohio State, and he ended up at Notre Dame. Sonny's the number six player in the country, number one safety. He's a five-star prospect. He committed to Ohio State in mid-November, and now there's been rumors just in the last day or so that he is thinking about reclassifying and moving from the 2023 class to the 2022 class. We saw that did not go super well with Quinn Ewers. I don't think this would be the same situation because Quinn did it and like he got to campus like with one week left in fall camp. Sonny would presumably be there at the latest for summer conditioning and stuff like that. Um, so he could kind of be on a normal schedule. But um, you mentioned um, Josh Proctor presumably being healthy, being the number one safety in the back of the defense next year. Would Sonny be a guy that would be a backup for him, or would he be somebody looking to be more of this, like what they're calling the slot safety um, that we saw this past year? Or would he be the free safety in the back of the defense? How do you think he plays in there? Yeah, I think eventually down the road, you kind of wonder about, you know, his body type. Because, I mean, so many things have been said about, you know, how he could continue to grow and, you know, pack on yeah. pack on the weight and strength. So, you know, maybe he could end up being, being you know, more of that. Yeah, exactly. Being more of that outside linebacker type of type of role. But I, if he does reclassify, you kind of just wonder if maybe the staff knows, hey, we're going to strike out on Xavier and we're going to strike out on Zion Branch. Maybe we can get Sonny to reclassify. And I don't know how that all works. I don't pretend to know everything about the recruiting season when it comes to reclassification, but, you know, maybe there was kind of that, you know, mindset that we really need someone now to challenge and, and really for depth and for elite play, we got to get a safety on this roster. And so if Sonny's able to, maybe that was the answer. If they, you know, if they have back-to-back misses at the safety spot in the 2022 class. And like you said, it's, it's totally for a different reason than what Quinn did. I mean, Quinn reclassified strictly because of the NIL and, you know, now Sonny would be able to do it as an in-state kid. You don't really have to worry so much about the NIL deal that, you know, is, is in comparison to Quinn. So people that are kind of like, man, I don't want him to reclassify because, you know, we could end up losing him if he doesn't start right away. I think that's a totally different situation. Like you said, with his dad being with his dad being, you know, a Buckeye himself and him being a legacy. I I just think that's completely a different situation, but we'll see how it goes. I I do think that, you know, he could be that slot safety right away. Um, And we've seen Sean Wade do that role before. We've seen, you know, other positions that are similar, similar guys and similar body types, um, you know, have kind of played that role as well too. But, you know, if he first gets on the field, I think you just got to let the kid, wherever he's, wherever he's best suited to play, I think you got to let the kid compete and, you know, and see what happens. Cause what we've seen so far from the safety position, you know, after Josh Proctor is they, they need help and whoever it comes from, they need, they need to get it done fast. Yeah, please. Um, uh, okay, so we mentioned Zion Branch, um, and he's pretty much looking set to be uh, to be a USC commit. His brother, Zach Ryan, who's a wide receiver in the 2023 class, he also has picked up a ton of crystal balls for USC. He's the number 15 player in the country, the number two wide receiver, a five-star prospect. But I think despite the fact that he also picked up a ton of crystal balls for the Trojans, because he's a 2023 guy and because, you know, Ohio State has such a, a history of uh, success with wide receivers, I, I feel like there's still a little bit more optimism with Zachariah than there is with Zion, whether that's because of his position or because of the timing. Yeah, I think the one thing that you can point to for having optimism is is in two words, Brian Hartline. So, um, you know, whatever he's been able to do and whatever he says on the recruiting trail, it works basically 10 times out of 10. So, it, you know, like you said, it, 
a lot of Zachariah's crystal balls and and all the scuttlebutt is kind of pointed towards USC and rightfully so. I mean, if that's where his brother goes, they've been rumored for, you know, forever that they wanted to play together and, you know, who wouldn't want to have, you know, your brother on the team. So you obviously see that and you kind of think, well, obviously that's, you know, pretty much the easy pick, but if there is something that can keep him away from USC and bring him to Columbus, uh, you know, which was originally kind of the plan, uh, you know, for all those crystal balls that were kind of forecasted early, I do think it's Brian Hartline and yeah, we can hold out hope. I mean, Brian Hartline doesn't strike out often and he doesn't get beat often at all, if at all. So, um, you know, if they, if they have anything going for him, it's that they've got the best receiver coach in the country, as far as I'm concerned. And, and the one that also recruits the best as well. So let's wrap this up by talking a different type of recruiting. Let's talk about the recruiting that is kind of new to college football, and that is because of the transfer portal. There are are three or four or five guys that Ohio State is kind of rumored to be in on. Um, but as we, you and I kind of talked, you know, before we started recording, only one of them really interests us. The other ones aren't necessarily in the positions of need that I think Ohio State needs to go out and find a guy in. But the one that is, is former LSU cornerback Elias Ricks, who's flirted with Ohio State since he was in high school. We, he, we thought at one point that he was going to commit to Ohio State before he ended up at LSU. We thought he could have transferred before this past season and ended up at, at Ohio State. Um, it is now expected that he will make an official visit to Ohio State this coming weekend. Um, And he is a former five-star number 14 player in the country cornerback and somebody who, as far as I'm concerned, if he ends up in Columbus, he will be starting immediately opposite Denzel Burke and they can figure out whatever's going to happen behind them or alongside of them. But he is an immediate and a dramatic upgrade for the Buckeye secondary if he does end up uh, joining the Scarlet and Gray. Right. Yeah. It's one of those things I, I use the term earlier, pencil somebody in. And I think with Elias Ricks, you can pretty much just get out the Sharpie and just write it right on in for you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's he's one of those guys that, like you said, they ran on him when he was in high school. Ohio State finished second when he was in high school. Obviously, he chose LSU. So if they can win out in the end, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, back in the day with Antoine Jackson, he ended up going to Auburn and Ohio State finished second, went the Juco route and eventually wound back up at Ohio State. So if they can finally you know, went out with Elias Ricks and, you know, what, whatever the road was, I mean, obviously not the one that they wanted. I mean, obviously you're going to want that kind of caliber player on your roster from the get go, but if they can get him now, it's huge. And the secondary needs help. I mentioned, you know, Jordan Hancock's name, a young guy. I just, I really like him. So I mentioned his name, but those corners, they're young. They're going to develop, but if you can get a guy that has proven that has played before in big time games in a, you know, Bias aside, we all realize how good the SEC, you know, Hmm. those kind of games are each week from a talent standpoint, what he's having to go against, you know, whether it's in practice or on the field, those kinds of guys, if you can get them at Ohio State and get them right in the fold as a starter, it's a no brainer. So him and Denzel Burke opposite side of each other. And then you've got, you know, the rotation piece, that third corner that third cornerback spot up for grabs. It it, it obviously right away kind of makes you feel a lot better about your depth moving forward. Yeah, and and honestly, if he comes in, I would expect there to be some sort of transfer movement um, in the cornerback position, at least one. And that is not even really kind of considering there's a number of guys who are in that cornerback rotation, including Seven Banks and Cam Brown, um, who could leave. I mean, they could technically leave after this year. They didn't have great, you know, great seasons, so I don't know that they would, but they could go the NFL route. I don't see that happening. But if Elias Ricks does show up on campus, I would not be surprised if one or both of them uh, end up transferring. And then you've got 
guys, you know, like Cam Martinez and, and some of these other young guys that you mentioned who would kind of be fighting for playing time alongside of them. But great guy to have in the class. It would be nice to have him, even if it's only for one year. Ohio State's defense needs help. Um, and I'm to be honest with you, I'm a little disappointed, and it's early. We didn't have Justin Fields in the fold in Columbus until January, so I know that there's still right. time. But... Um, was really hoping that there would be, you know, a little bit more movement on the defensive line and the linebacker position. I know that Ohio State has some elite linebackers coming in next year, especially C.J. Hicks, who I'm expecting to start next year, um, you know, maybe even opposite uh, Steel Chambers. But um, I would have liked to get another one in there. You know, we saw um, Pali Enote Note come in uh, as a transfer last year and didn't really end up doing much of anything. He was hurt throughout the year and never really be able, never really seemed to be able to get it and stay on the field. So I was hoping we'd see some D line movement, even if it's just rumors, some linebacker movement. Um, but if they can land Elias Ricks, that's a that's a huge bonus for whomever ends up being the secondary coach and defensive coordinator next year. Because right. I'm not sold that it's the people who are currently in those positions. Yeah, and you mentioned it, and there might be some movement. There might be a transfer portal, whether it's exactly. a young guy or an After older the guy. Bulls and stuff yeah, exactly. Too. You know, there might be some movement on Ohio State's roster where a guy leaves if they get Ricks. But I think if we're being real here, the, the staff would be like, well, if we're going to get Ricks, we're certainly willing to take the chance, uh, you know, totally. of, of losing somebody, whether it's an older guy or a younger guy. I mean, that's a plug and play guy from day one. I mean, I, I think everybody uh, could rest with that. I mean, would it be unfortunate to lose someone? Of course. But if you're going to get Elias Ricks, you kind of, you know, let the let the bad outweigh. It weigh itself because the good that's coming in is is very good. It's elite, and it would be a huge help to the defense. That you know, obviously we we've seen it. They they need uh, they need to get better, and on on all fronts. And it, I think yeah. it starts with you know the portal and guys like this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. To, to wrap this up, so you're a football coach. You also coach baseball. My background is as a baseball and softball coach. Um, I coach travel, high school, and college. There's a, such a huge difference between coaching football and coaching, you know, baseball and softball. In baseball and softball, yes, there's things you want veterans to know and you want to put them in there. But for the most part, if you've got a player who can play, you play them. You play them early. Can you explain how different or how much difference there is between that and football? Obviously. There are a lot of really athletic guys that are young in Ohio State's uh, defensive roster. But how important is it for them to have experience? Can you just throw some of these guys out there and say, hey, you're talented, figure it out? Is it just the cream of the crop that you can do that with? Can you take some risks on guys who are super athletic but maybe don't have the knowledge? With baseball and softball, if they can hit 
yeah, they'll get better as they get older, but you throw them out there, they can hit. If they can throw, they can throw. If they can field, they can field. How much different is it with football? For those of us that don't know the X's and O's and how important that is, on the defensive side of the ball especially, and I know you're a wide receiver coach, but how important is it for like the young guys like a, a C.J. Hicks or, or somebody else coming in uh, to have the experience to be able to play at a Big Ten level for a school like Ohio State? Yeah, and I could go off on a tangent about this kind of stuff, but I won't because I don't want to bore people. But I think what you see is, is one, you have to look at the position itself. And we've seen kind of things happen where, you know, Michael Jordan several years ago for Ohio State started as a freshman on the offensive line. And Urban Meyer and, you know, Coach Dud, they, they all said this is because of a recruiting miss. Like, we don't ever want to have a freshman starting on the offensive line. And right off the bat, there's mm-hmm. two reasons why. One, it's body type and body size and strength. As a freshman, yes, there are special cases, um, you know, whether this guy comes in and looks like, you know, Warren Sapp or, you know, whoever it is, or Orlando Pace. I mean, if they have that kind of a body body style, but yeah, sure, they might be a plug and play guy. But a lot of times they're not physically ready. I mean, offensive line, most of the time it's a two year position before you're even ready to see the field. I mean, there are special cases every year on Ohio State because they elite they they have elite players on their position group. So. Yes, they can do it. But I think the two things are this, the body type and body size strength wise. I don't think they're always ready at certain positions. The second thing is the mental wherewithal in the scheme. So you look at this year with Travion Henderson, running backs get on the field earlier, faster, younger, because one, their job is easier. See ball, get ball, run ball. I mean, that's that's really not that hard to do from a scheme standpoint. Now, obviously, you know, from an right, athletic standpoint, it's, yeah, yeah, the exactly. physicality and the athletic standpoint, it's it's incredible to see what Travion can do. I, I will never do anything he does, whether it's on Madden. But at the same time, you look at position wise, and I think those are the two things. I think it's your body style and type. And then I think it's the mental wherewithal with the scheme. So in in my opinion, there are positions that every once in a while you will see, you know, the special cases, for example, this year, Denzel Burke, I don't think that's a recruiting miss necessarily. I think Denzel separated himself in camp and did some injuries injuries. Yeah, Yeah. Because of injuries ahead of him. So, but when he gets out there, he does a pretty good job. Um, I mean, yes, the last last couple games were not wonderful. And especially the last one, we won't even mention that, but before that, I mean, he looked like a foregone, you know, first team all American as a freshman, you know, a freshman all American, I should say. So there are special cases, but I think in the grand scheme of things, because football is such a, and baseball is too. I mean, baseball, softball, those are very mental games, but the overall concept of the game is simpler because you're, you're basically going against the same style of offense every game. Where in football, you're going against a different type of scheme on every different play almost. So I think mentally that's the big one. And then obviously, you know, the the body style and type and strength and everything that goes into that is the other thing. So those would be the two that I think separate, you know, why football is just so much harder to get on the field early, um, you know, unless it's at certain positions, like even a wide out or a running back where it's, you know, kind of based on your, your athleticism more so than just your scheme and understanding the game overall. Yeah, because I've been big on just like get rid of some of the veteran guys, like just move them out of the way. Let them be the rotation guys. That's fine. But get the young guys on the field. And I realize that that's kind of like my experience with, you know, the sports that I've coached. Just like let the athletes be the athletes and let them figure it out as they're going along. I know that's not the same thing in football, uh, but it's hard for me to shake. And sometimes I've kind of been, you know, spouted off at the mouth because that's what I've always done my whole career. Um, So I'm, I'm glad to have your perspective on when and when that is not applicable in football, because, you know, 
I think it's pretty safe to say on the defensive side of the ball for like two or three seasons, Ohio State had some pretty crappy defensive recruiting classes and they had a lot of misses. And so there are opportunities for the young guys to get in. Hopefully now um, we're starting to see some of those misses phase themselves out of the program. And so some of these younger guys can have opportunities, but uh, we've got to see him do it. And there's been a lot, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, in our LGHL Slack channel, like how good Larry Johnson has been at recruiting the last few seasons because they haven't had a dominant defensive line, but he's had a lot of wins like in in the recruiting classes. So it's like at some point, it's like you're going to have guys who look good coming in and don't pan out either because of injuries or because of development or just it just wasn't meant to be. Um, Ohio State can't continue to have this on the defensive side of the ball. They can withstand some of them on the offensive side because of how good the recruiting and the coaching has been, but they really have to knock it out of the park in the next 12 months uh, on the defensive side of the ball if they want to get back to where their recruiting says they should be because right Right. now they aren't there. Um, They're close, and they're as close as, you know, almost every other team in the country – but they're they're a step behind some of those other programs, and they're that that step is getting bigger, and that that concerns me. Um, and I've written about it, and I've talked about it. I think that starts at Ryan Day and, and some decisions he's made in his coaching staff, and I hope that those are remedied sooner rather than later. Yeah, it does, and it, it kind of goes back to the defensive thing too. Of like a lot of those guys are veteran guys, and it's almost like the staff is just well, we've known them forever. We've you know they've been around yeah. forever, so we just keep plugging them in because we're comfortable with them. We know what they can do. Who cares? Um, yeah, exactly. And it's like you know, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Like if you're up big or if you're down big, whatever it may be, let's see some of the fresh blood that's out there. And you, you just wonder, you know, why are they not doing it? And it for me, the only thing I could think of as a coach is like. Okay, clearly these guys are all athletic, but it's got to be they don't understand the scheme fully yet, so they don't trust them to go out there. Or two, they're not physically ready yet. Those are the only two things I can ever think of because, like you said, a lot of times it's like, okay, we know this kid's talented. Let's see what he can do. Let the leash off and just let him go. But, you know, yeah, hopefully hopefully we get some answers here. And, you know, what whatever happens at the D coordinator position or whatever it might be with the defensive staff, let's just, let's just hope that it trends in the right direction because it's the defense that is – holding them back from reaching the the peak that they can be. And that's, uh, I mean, I know Ohio State's expectations are super high. So sometimes, you know, myself included, Buckeye fans can sound a little selfish. But, I mean, because the expectations are high like this is why they're successful. So let, let's see what happens, and hopefully it happens fast. Yeah, you, uh, you've mentioned it in our Slack channel as well, talking about, like, the type of fans that we are. You and I tend to be very different types of, of Ohio State fans. Um, you tend to be a little bit more uh, cynical and emotional. I tend to be a little bit more positive and give people the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yep. But honestly, at this point, I'm running out of the benefit of the doubt when it comes to to the coaching staff. And I blame um, the Reds and the Bengals for making me like oh that. My, I just, yeah, I'm, grief. <laughs> I'm, a, I, I'm also a Reds fan, but I gave up on the Bengals decades ago. So that's probably why smart, I'm not yeah. as bad as you are. But like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm just kind of running out of, of, of leash that I'm willing to give Ryan Day. Not that I think Ryan Day needs to be fired. I think he's an amazing offensive coach i think that he's been a little complacent when it comes to the guys he's surrounded himself with so and i don't need guys down the hall yeah and i don't and i don't have a problem with him waiting like i know some people like why hasn't there been a change yet i get focusing on recruiting and i get focusing on this until the early signing period focus on that recruiting is the most important thing especially when you have such a limited time after that though i need to see not not necessarily like he's making changes before the bowl game, 
but I need to know that there's some things happening behind the scenes because otherwise right, I'm yeah. going to be developments happening. Yep. Yeah. There needs to be some rumors. There needs to be something. And January 2nd, we need to see some sort of changes at the absolute latest. Right. And I'm not calling for anybody's job. I don't like to do that because that's not fair. We don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, but if there's not at least three or four new coaches on Ohio state staff next season, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. I'll, and I'll they don't shocked, always, ha- and they don't always, ha- and they don't, yeah, they don't all have to be on defense either. I would, I, I think that there could, there's some things that could happen on the offensive side of the ball that would benefit the team as well. Yep. I agree. And, it, and it's not one of those things where you can point at one position group and be like this guy, you know, we all have our, our, imp- our input and our opinions on things. It's just, you know, from my vantage point, like you said, recruiting is first and it is, I mean, you can have the greatest coaches there, but if you don't have the player, you're in trouble. And so, cause development can only take you so far. You do need that elite skill level to be developed, but we've seen it. We've had some guys that are elite skill level and I don't think they've been developed the whole way that they would, mm-hmm. they would expect they are. And I, I honestly probably, probably the probably the way the staff expected them to be as well too so there's got to be some sort of changes whatever it is i'm you know i'm not a perfect magician with what what it comes with you know what's gonna come out of the hat what rabbit is ryan day gonna pull out of his hat Mm -hmm. but i do think he's gonna do something and you'd almost be shocked if there isn't like you said three to four changes as former dotted line guest ari wasserman is fond of saying stars matter and ohio state has the stars um but they, the coaches haven't been able to get those stars to turn into trophies and rings. And that's right. really where the issue is. But all right, we went off on a little tangent at the end, Caleb. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that is all that we have for today, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land's The Dotted Line Podcast. Uh, Caleb, where can people find you on social media? Caleb Hauser 9, C-A-L-E-B-H-O-U-S-E-R 9. Uh, we have had several stories going out, you know, on, on recruiting and stuff, and especially with, you know, the early signing period coming coming around very quickly. It, it You know, it's good for people to always check in, and, you know, and see what's going on and what Ohio State's doing so that it never sleeps. Recruiting is always going. 24-7, 365. And you can find everybody uh, on our Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me at BWWMatt. Everybody, thanks again for listening. We will talk to you soon, and as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.